Hi guys, and welcome back to Ock Thoughts, your favorite podcast of the week. I'm Akshad, and today we have a special guest, Mr. Reitmeyer. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Honored to be here. First episode, first teacher. It's a, it's a privilege. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so something just to start us off that I've always been curious about with teachers is what were you like during high school? How was that time of your life? Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, I was probably not what a lot of people think of when they think of me. Um, I was a snowboarder and I was outside all the time, which maybe that part's not surprising, but school wasn't always like the thing that I really focused on. I was fine at school and I got like A's and B's mostly, but um, high school to me, I think of hanging out with my friends outside, going snowboarding, going hiking, playing in the woods, that kind of thing. Um, really wasn't until I took a class in high school um, called Science Research, and it was um, it was actually like a program where I ended up like interning at like a lab in the summer, and I went and did like actual molecular biology research, and through that I kind of got really into science, and from there I actually took me into college. Um, I went in as pre med, and then math came even after that like another like year and a half or so after I started college so I was I was much more focused on having fun playing outside that was that was my high school days when I think back to it okay yeah that sounds like a lot of fun I mean with snowboarding like uh I mean a lot of people probably don't know know this about you but you were an avid snowboarder I mean how did you get into that and what was your Um, role in that I I think I was nine when I first went snowboarding. Um, and I think at the time I didn't know anyone that snowboarded. And I literally was just like, I knew all these skiers and maybe I just wanted to be different or something. I don't really know how I actually picked it. Um, but I just sort of chose and I got hooked. Um, I actually had already skied too. So um, I grew up in upstate New York and there was a lot of winter sports and I was actually like cross country skiing like when I was like a little little kid there's photos of me when I was like four and stuff on these little short you know foot and a half long skis and stuff Um, and I think I just even by the time I got to nine I sort of wanted to change and I didn't want to just do like downhill skiing because I had been cross country skiing a lot so I just sort of tried it and turned out that I really liked it um, and from there, it just escalated to a whole bunch of other stuff and ended up being the president of my high school like ski club. And um, I mean, every single weekend we were going out somewhere. Um, yeah, it was just like what my friends and I did. Hmm, okay, so that's interesting. You had a ski club at your high school. Um, I mean, so is, is skiing pretty prevalent in upstate New York? I mean, I mean obviously in Colorado, it, there, there's a lot of options, but I haven't heard too much in New York. Yeah, um, it's it's big there. Um, I mean, I was pretty far north, and so I was up in the like Adirondack Mountains, and um, we have some good resorts. I mean, we had the Winter Olympics there in like 1980, I think. Um, there's a mountain called Whiteface, and that's where they did all their like downhill skiing, racing, and all that stuff. Um, and then Vermont was big. We would go over to Vermont, um, and even down like. There's a whole chunk of mountains kind of down closer to New York City around like some area called the Catskills. And 
so we have mountains. They're not like the mountains you have out here, um, but the the skiing's still popular. I mean, in the winter time, it's very cold, and it, once the snow hits, it just stays. Like out here, I feel like, I mean, especially down here, you know, it snows, but the snow just kind of disappears in a few days, you know. Um, but where I grew up, if you didn't like doing winter sports, it was a very tough, tough winter because you just hung out inside and did nothing, basically. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, like, um, with snowboarding, uh, you, you talked about the Olympics. So you were also a part of the Junior Olympics with that. Um, yeah. How, how was that experience? Um, yeah, it was fun. I mean, I didn't do well, but um, <laughs> but I, I was, like, I used to compete a lot, and um, I, I had, you know, I mean, really, I got lucky because I think the proximity to some of these like ski programs, um, you know, it'd be kind of like if you lived in like Vail or something and like how some of those students just have more opportunities to compete and things because of their proximity to where they grew up, you know, um, like we definitely have like good skiers. I know of a few here. Um, but they have to travel far and things still. I mean, it's not that far, but um, it's a lot easier when you live right near the mountains to get onto some of these teams. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I did it more as like an experience to try it out, but I was not that good. Oh, okay. so <laughs> I think it sounds cooler than it really was in, in actuality. Oh, okay. So yeah. like, when I think Olympics, I think yeah. like this long qualification process oh, where yeah. you have to be like one yeah. of the best or... I mean, there was a qualification process, but um, yeah, it, it's not as impressive, I think, also because you've got to think about, I was a snowboarder and I was kind of doing a niche thing. I was in, um, so I actually did moguls and uh, very few snowboarders wanted to do it. So when you factor in that I lived near a lot of this stuff and I was into kind of a niche field in snowboarding. It just made it easier again. I mean, still, I was, I was good. I still am pretty good, but <laughs> um, but it, it, it was it was easier for me to get to that level because of you know that. Like if I was into um, like probably the most popular thing in snowboarding is like a lot more of the freestyle part of snowboarding. And if I wanted to like do really well in that, I would have had to be a lot better. Hmm, okay, that's interesting. Like for me, I'm a skier and I just hate moguls. Um, so. I, I can understand a lot of the snowboarder's apprehension towards that. Yeah, um, and it is kind of the whole technique is very different on a snowboard. Like I, yeah, I didn't even really know it was an event that snowboarders could do personally, um, and there weren't a lot of us that did it. But yeah, for whatever reason, I got into it. I think it was kind of because a lot of my friends were skiers. Like again, I was like this one person that just decided to be a snowboarder, and then. Um, I was sort of like a skier trapped in a snowboarder's body, if that makes some sense. Hmm. And so I liked all the things the skiers liked. And then um, I got into that part of it. Yeah, just sort of the way it happened. Oh, okay, that's really interesting. So you also mentioned that when you went to college, you were pre-med, um, then an English major, then a math major. So, okay, what, I mean, completely diverse areas, what what sort of led to that? Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely, you know, going into college, I was really into, like, science. I wanted to be, so I wanted to go to med school eventually because I wanted to do, not like, I didn't want to be a doctor seeing patients. I wanted to 
basically do like research and I was kind of into like maybe cancer research just like generically kind of thinking molecular biology and stuff like that um, and nothing I don't want to diss the field it's a very important field but <laughs> I, I felt like in college all I was doing was memorizing facts and I was good at it I got good grades I went through like orgo which is like organic chemistry and that's like a historically a tough class and I did well in that class and I, I could do it and I'm sure that like the pre-med program would have turned into something a lot cooler and I would have had more fun like connecting ideas but I just was kind of sick of memorizing from a textbook and then putting that onto a test you know and that was like all the class was so I was taking some um, other just like gen eds and i always was like an avid like reader and writer and everything my dad's an english teacher and he had me you know like reading books that were way above my like required reading age from a young age and all this stuff so um i think for a little while there i was just had like a rebound effect where i was like i'm going to do something so different than science and so I was a declared English major for a full semester. <laughs> and I really wanted to be a, um, I thought it'd be fun to be like a creative writer. Um, you know, maybe like I always like travel and I was like, maybe I could do like some sort of like travel writing. Like I think everyone goes through this phase where they like think about these like kind of things. And, um, but then I thought about it a little more and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to, be able to get a job <laughs> and so I kind of figured it was smart to get a job um, and during some of that sciencey time in college I was taking more math um, I was taking like uh, calc 3 and things like that and I was really liking um, those classes those actually made me like connect a lot of ideas and problem solve and all this stuff that had core you know skills to math and so I was like, maybe I should take some more math. And then I just like took off. So from there, I was hooked. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, so now, um, how did that lead into your teaching career? Um, so I basically, there was a, I mean, I taught a class um, as um, when I was in my PhD program. And it was to, um, I think I remember the number, I think it was Math 107, and it was a math class for like non-math majors, um, so a lot of students who are not very mathy, um, and they just needed a credit to do whatever degree they were doing, and I realized just how powerful it is to help like students who are like struggling with something like I understood all this math very well and this was just like a basic problem stats kind of class um, and they were just so thankful um, and they you know came for help and they worked so hard and you know I saw the power of just like how helpful a, a, like a good teacher can be and I was kind of sold and, and at the time I was doing a lot of um, research math and I was doing very niche weird things that would take a long time to explain and I sort of had this like existential crisis where I was like I can either take all this stuff I've learned and go do a little like piece of this big math world and it 
would do some good. Um, but some of the math I was doing was probably not going to give back to the world at large for another 20, 30 years. Like, that's how a lot of pure math and pure science research is. Like, the big discoveries take a long time to develop to be useful in the real world, like the applied world. Like, Einstein's relativity stuff took decades before we started really using it. Um, but all of a sudden I was like, I can help, you know, these people instantly by helping them understand, you know, whatever this math thing is that we're working on. And for some reason that just was it. I was like, I would rather help people now with this than do this like little niche thing in math. And so I kind of just turned away from that and got into teaching. Hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that's really interesting to me because um, because you went down a path like pre-med med school and then yeah. it completely transformed over the course of college and then, yeah. like what you were thinking afterwards. So it's, yeah. it's, it's really interesting how like that happens sometimes. It is. And I, I feel like a fair amount of adults overlearn things, right? And they get all these different skills along the way. And then you end up using a little piece of what you've learned, right? And I think I'm like the perfect example of that. Like, I can't even begin to explain to you how many hours I've spent on math in my life. I've done literally like every class that has a title <laughs> and then some that we like made up because I want to do like independent studies. And the amount of math I use in my daily life is... I learned it probably by the time I was like a sophomore, maybe a junior at the latest in college, right? Um, and so it's kind of funny to, to yeah, go so far into something and then end up um, using a little piece of it. And I think that's like totally normal. And it's also important like when you get older to like look at what is giving you like that important level of happiness that we all kind of seek, right? And for me... It wasn't the weird little niche math stuff anymore. It was just like helping students understand this confusing language of math. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay, so something interesting like with your teaching as well is that you said that you were interested in the first one that got you into teaching was not for math majors, not for people that are incredibly interested in the subject. Um, for me, like I tutor people and I come across sort of two types of students. One are people who are really good at it already and just want to try and keep delving in further. And then the other who is who, who's really struggling and doesn't seem to like the subject. And for me personally, I've always found myself more interested in teaching the one who's wanting to go in further. But it seems for you it was, it was the opposite direction. Yeah. I, I mean, my opinion is that like a good teacher is someone who would, you know, find joy in both sides of it, right? And for some people, like, it, teaching can be really frustrating when, you know, it's the other kind of student, you know, that isn't really into math or whatever the thing is. Um, I mean, it does get frustrating. Like, even for me, and I, I really do like this job, there's, there's times, I mean, I have your own class, <laughs> which is a funny thing. And, you know, I, you make little algebra mistakes and things, and there's one I'm thinking of recently that a fair amount of you made. And, um, you know, it's frustrating, but it's like, whatever, I can get over it. Um, you know, I think you need to have a lot of patience as a teacher, like a lot of patience. And, um, and, and I think the reason it's so powerful for me with the students who um, come into it with that kind of negative um, 
preconceived notion is just that when you see how much of a 180 sometimes students can do, that's like a really powerful thing. Because like your class, like you guys are all really good at math. You came in, you like math, and you're going to leave... I think you're still going to like math. <laughs> um, you might be a little more annoyed with some algebra and things like that, but your class is pretty messy. Um, but when you have someone come in and they don't like it and then they leave liking it, it's just a really like powerful experience. And so that I did feel that when I was like 22-ish or something like that, and all of a sudden it just completely changed what I wanted to do in life. Hmm, okay, yeah, that's that's definitely a very interesting course that your life took because um, because I feel like for a lot of people who who go who view teachers, it's sort of um, it's sort of that the bad students in class, the ones who aren't that interested. If a lot of people seem to believe that teachers probably have a negative impression of them, but like for you, it's the opposite. It actually is a motivating factor. So that's, yeah, uh, definitely. I mean. Not that, again, we don't get frustrated. Like, everyone gets frustrated. Like, when, um, you know, especially when we know we've said things in our class and we've helped students and, you know, but sometimes it just takes more practice and whatever it is, right? Um, but, yeah, the, the ones that I get most excited for are, like, your students who struggle and struggle and struggle and work and they ended up with, like, a 72% in the class. Like... That's my absolute like favorite student to work with. You guys are great too. <laughs> I don't want to say I don't like you guys, but like the change that can happen, you know, that student who gets the 72 with all the work, like they might have failed. You know, they, they probably were failing math in previous classes or something. But when you see someone um, who, you know, comes in for the help and all these different things, and, and you can tell that this is not coming easy, but they're giving it their all. Um, it just feels really rewarding. Um, it makes you feel like you made a difference. Mm. Like whereas you come in, you have a really good understanding of math, and you leave with a really good understanding of math. Like still, it's cool, but it's it's not as um, self fulfilling, sort of. You know, mm -hmm. if that makes some sense. Absolutely. Like yeah. like it feels like you're you've created more of an impact with that other student yeah, in the world. Yeah. Um, so. That that was all really insightful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I'd like to ask you um, a, a last question. What would be your biggest advice to high schoolers across the board that you would give to students? That's a good question. Um, I, I think one thing that I would say definitely depends on the student, but a lot of times I think more students students need to like tune into what makes them happy. Too often I think high school students, especially at our school, are worried about the future too much. They're, they put a lot of pressures on themselves about different things. I mean, I, I think I'm a good example. I was a, a very normal high school kid. I didn't even I didn't even like get exempt from Calc 1 in college. I went on to go do all the stuff. I retook Calc 1 and ended up doing all the stuff I did. You don't need to, you know, for some students, they do want to like do all this math or science or whatever the thing is, and they should listen to that and they should go do it. But for some, just take some of the pressures off. Look at like what makes you happy and, and go do those things. You know, try in college 
a class that's out of your major just for fun and just take it to see what would happen because maybe you would go into college as pre-med and you're going to come out teaching students math. You know, you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, yeah, thank you for that piece of advice. Definitely. Um, I'll try and apply it, and then I hope that a lot of our viewers will at least consider it and, and certainly apply it. Um, thank you for coming on our podcast, Mr. Ritmer. We appreciate it. And, um, and thank you for all of our listeners who tuned into Oc Thoughts this week. Um, we hope to have you again next week. Um, please fill out the suggestions box and let us know what you thought about this episode and ideas for future episodes that you might have. Thanks once again, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.